Hi, and welcome to the second podcast of the Revelation Podcast. I hope you guys had a chance to listen to the first episode. It is under one hour. And the time of podcast will vary. Some may be about an hour. Sometimes it can be about 15 minutes. Other times it could be in the middle for 30 or 45 minutes. And that's one great thing about doing a podcast. I mean, since you're your own boss, you don't have a supervisor telling you to hurry, wrap things up. You have all the time in the world to share the word. And I know that some people may think that the last podcast was a little too long and they may not listen again, and that's perfectly fine. And the great thing about today is that we could listen to things that last about an hour in segment, segments of four, and we have all the time that we need until Christ comes back. So you probably just have to maybe remember where you left off. And again, I greatly appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this podcast and it's not about me and it's not about you it's all about christ and the internet is a great way to spread the gospel it's like simultaneously taking the word to your jerusalem judea samaria and the uttermost parts of the world at the same time now Think about what if the people in the Bible had the internet, internet, like right around the New Testament time. Just think how fast the word of God would have spread. And right now we live in that. We live in a time when the word of God is moving faster than ever. And I truly believe that we are getting closer to the end. With all the things that's going on. And so I'd like to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to the second podcast of the Revelation podcast. I said podcast twice. It's like saying double double podcast. Alright. Well, I hope you guys brought your word, an actual copy or on your device. And... Could you go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14? Now, as you get there, I would like to share what the title of this podcast is. Or the title of this podcast. Not the name of the podcast, which is the Revelation podcast. But the name of the second podcast And the name of the second podcast is Luke Warm in the U.S. Luke Warm in the U.S. All right. You guys should already open to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And the translation that I will be using for this podcast is... New King James and King James Version. And no, I'm not King James 
only. I like to look at other translations and I plan on using others so we could kind of compare and see what the Lord has said. Now, speaking of what the Lord has said, this is what he says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now the idea of healing our land sounds really good, especially right now. Now before I get into the introduction to kind of share on what we will be learning from the title of Lukewarm in the US, I kind of want to segue a little bit to tell you a little more about myself. I am kind of a conspiracy theorist. Uh-oh. People are going, ooh, in the twilight zone. Now, I believe that I am not extreme when it comes to all conspiracy theorists. But during the JFK or after the JFK assassination, the federal government, would label people as conspiracy theorists for questioning the government. So whenever you question the government or the media, you might be a conspiracy theorist. And if not, that's okay. And if so, that's okay. Now, going back to lukewarm in the U.S., This time in the U.S. will be remembered for quite some time because nothing like this has happened to this nation with this Chinese virus. In fact, nothing like this has happened in this entire world. We know that this virus, which we refer to as the coronavirus or the Chinese virus. Now, you could refer to this virus however you want to, But at the end of the day, we know that this virus came from China. Well, the coronavirus went into South Korea early on. And right now, the U.S. has the most cases for it. Well, let me pause right there. Because when I did this transcript last week, I was looking at the statistics And the statistics reveal that the United States is ahead. However, I don't believe China. I don't believe their numbers. In fact, I would not be surprised if they have way more cases and way more deaths than we do. Well, it's in Italy, and I'm still questioning what's being reported out of communist China. Now, from what I have been seeing about the virus, I feel the same about it when I heard its first outbreak in China, and that this virus was purposely spread. At first, when it came out, 
I was wondering about its end game. That phrase, end game, for those that do not know what it means, is pretty much like saying, what is the end result of some act? For what I have seen with what has happened in the U.S. as a result of the coronavirus spreading reveals communist China's endgame with its virus. I mean, we should see what's going on. For this is the election year for the presidency of the U.S. And before the coronavirus spread, the U.S., it is fair to say that President Trump was going to get reelected by a landslide this November. Now the coronavirus has slowed down the election in the U.S. It has slowed down the world economy. It has forced state governors to violate state rights and the economy with its shutdown. President Trump says people not working will kill more people than the Chinese virus, which I agree with. But when we sum up what has been going on in the U.S. after the Chinese virus, it's fair to say it has disrupted our religious freedom in the U.S. Virginia Governor Northam has made it a crime for 10 or more people gathered in the church. Make no mistake about this, because the Chinese virus is a new kind of global warfare. When Jesus spoke about his disciples about the end times, he said this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. The word pestilence means an epidemic disease which is what the Chinese virus is. Now, I spent quite some time talking about the problem with the virus in the physical sense. But we are not able to see the bigger picture of why this disease is happening worldwide. To see the bigger picture, we need to look beyond the physical sense to the spiritual sense to see why God allowed this Chinese virus to spread worldwide. We have to begin in Revelation to see what Jesus said to one of the churches that John wrote to. And that church is Laodicea. It is in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. Now let us turn there to begin to see why God allowed the virus to spread worldwide. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. And thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because of thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, 
and I increase with goods, I have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will supper with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, the book of Revelation was written towards the end of John's life, where he was exiled on the island of Patmos. A lot of scholars agree that he wrote it around 90 AD and the Roman Empire was known to have all kinds of pestilences for it was not unusual that the poor died before they were 50 or even 30. Now to continue on to see why God allowed the Chinese virus spread in the United States We looked at the church in Laodicea. We know that it is lukewarm. And to continue that, we need to briefly look at the purpose of Revelation on why it was written. And to do that, let's go to the first chapter of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1. Because the purpose of the book is found in its chapter. John writes, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show it unto his servants, things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. In the first verse, it says, He wants to show his followers of things to come, which is the purpose of the book. Jesus wanted John to write about what he has seen, which is in chapter 1. He also wanted him to write to things which are, which is to the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. He also wanted him to write about things after, which is from chapter 4 until the last chapter of 22. The passage we read about the church in Laodicea falls into which things are. And let us go deeper into that church at Laodicea to see what they are began to see why God has allowed this. Let us look at the church in Laodicea to see what they are beginning to see why God has allowed this virus to spread worldwide. 
Again, we're looking at the Laodicea church to understand why God has allowed this virus to spread worldwide. Now, I do understand that there was no coronavirus during this time. However, there's all kinds of diseases that could be equivalent to what we are facing now. And so in verse 14, Jesus identified himself with four names. And I'm going back to verse 14. In verse 14, Jesus identified himself with four names. Amen. The faithful, the true witness in the beginning. After that, he lets the church know that he is aware of their works and that he tells them in verse 16. And let me pause right there. I am back in Revelation chapter 3. So I did not mean to confuse my listeners. They might have thought I was still in Revelation chapter 1 and gone on to verses 3 and 4, which sounds confusing, and that is not my aim. And I want to apologize. In the Word of God, there is no confusion. He does not confuse us. The reason why we may not understand it is because we're not ready to understand it because there has not been enough study for us, which is why we should study more. So let me go on where I left off when I talked about verse 16, where Jesus tells the church that they are lukewarm. He continues on to say, He will rather spit them out for being lukewarm. For that is the same thing as him to say that he wants to cast them out as a man that cast out the servant that did not use his one talent. Now, verse 17, it reveals to us what kind of church of Laodicea was like. And it was seen as a lukewarm church by Jesus. This church probably saw itself not needing anything because with their material wealth, they thought it made them worthy to be called a follower of Jesus by their own standards. From verses 18 through 21, Jesus tells the believers at the church to repent for not being the kind of church they need to be. They were like the four other churches that John wrote among the seven that had bad report from Jesus. The first church John wrote to Ephesus was doing good, except they were not doing it out of love. Jesus tells that church to repent or he will take away their lampstand. The church in Pergamos believed they can serve two masters when they tried to serve Jesus and worship Balaam at the same time. He tells them to repent or he will fight them with his sword. In the church of Thyatira, they were practicing sexual immorality. The church in Sardis was dead by being busybodies and not being alert of Jesus' return. He tells them to repent or he will blot their names out of the book of life. The church in Laodicea became like the whitewashed tombs, but they looked great on the outside, but they were ugly on the inside. For because of all they had, they saw no need for anything, and they were completely exposed by the world as the harlot that rides the beast, as the harlot that rides the beast will be. Now, I believe 
that the churches in the U.S. are more like the five bad churches in John's letter. We have not served people out of love. We have compromised the word of God with false doctrines. We have accepted homosexuality to be okay when we know that it is not. We also have idled ourselves with the world. We are not ready with the return of Christ. We also are very lukewarm, and our attitudes are like the church in Laodicea. We think with our mega churches that we are doing great things for God's kingdom, which is probably the exact opposite of what Jesus feels about the churches in America. This virus, I believe that, for with this virus, I believe that Jesus is on the verge of spitting the American church out. Unless we take the warning he gave the Laodiceans as our warning seriously, which it is. You know, God punishes his children harder than others. With the examination of God's word, I believe that he punishes his children harder than non-believers when it comes to sin. We see it in five of the seven churches in Asia Minor that John wrote to. We also see in God's word his warnings about following him versus not following him. And let's go to the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 26. Because it says about God's warning for those that follow him and those that do not follow him. Verses 3 through 14 is about what God will do for those that follow him. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 to 13. God, through Moses, is speaking to the nation of Israel. If ye walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase, and trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. And I will give you peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land, and ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And ye shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen, and I have broken the bands of your yoke, and made you go upright. Those that follow God will be blessed with productivity by God giving them rain. They will have an abundance. They will also have peace in the land, and he will protect them. You will also dwell among them. Now, 
Out of the seven churches that John wrote to, only two had good report from Jesus. And they eventually got to experience the promises that God gave for those that did well. For even those churches experienced persecution unto death, they got to experience the promises of God after their first death. Well, those that do not follow God will have this happen to them. So let's go back to Leviticus chapter 26 at verse 14. But if ye will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgment, so that ye will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant, I also will do that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. And I will set my face against you, and ye shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and ye shall flee when none pursueth you. And if ye will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more than your sin, more for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heaven as iron, and your earth as brass, and their strength shall be spent in vain, for your field shall not yield her increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. And if ye walk contrary unto me, and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, and destroy your cattle, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you, that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you your bread again by weight. And ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if ye will not hearken and if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries and desolations, and I will not smell the savor of sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. 
and I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbath, as long as it lieth desolate, and ye be in your enemy's land. Even then shall the land rest, and enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when ye dwell upon it. And upon them that are left alive of you, I will send a faintness in their hearts in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of a shaken leaf shall chase them, and they shall flee as fleeing from a sword, and they shall fall when none pursueth. And they shall fall one upon another, as it were before a sword when none pursueth. And ye shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And ye shall perish among the heathen, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands. And also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. When we do not follow God, He will spit us out. For we will be out of His protection, and He will allow our enemies to punish us as Communist China is punishing the United States for the churches being lukewarm. Now, that's why God is allowing them to do that. Now, this promise was not just for the Israelites in the wilderness, but it's also for us, which is why God promises are seen throughout the Bible. In Revelation, we see Jesus promise the churches that he will give them eternal life if they overcome by turning away from their sins and carrying out the Great Commission. If they do not, then he will cast them out. I think Jesus is allowing this pestilence with the Chinese virus to affect the churches in the U.S. to let them know that he is about to spit them out for being lukewarm. Now, earlier on, you heard me read from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And in that verse, I want us to see the cure for being lukewarm. But before that, I want to read the previous verse, 13. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people. Well, we know from Leviticus chapter 26 and why God will shut up heaven to provide no rain, to send locusts to devour and pestilence like a Chinese virus to his people. He does these things for us not following him, which makes the church in the U.S. lukewarm. Christ is about to spit us out unless we carry out the acts in the next verse of 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now in this verse, I see one, two, three, four, four things that we can do to cure us being lukewarm. We should be more concerned about curing ourselves. We should be more, more concerned about curing our lukewarm heart. And we can't do this all our own. We can't do this by our own works. We have to depend on God. And these are the four things to depend on God to keep us from being lukewarm. I believe being lukewarm is a bigger problem than the Chinese virus. So, what do we do? We should humble ourselves. That is the first thing. We should humble ourselves the way that King Hezekiah humbled himself when he had problems. He went before the Lord in sackcloth and he kneeled and he poured his heart, which is what we should do. When we humble ourselves, and as we do that, we should do the next thing, which is to pray. We should pray daily. Our prayer is our spiritual food. It gives us strength to do the will of God. And we need that strength because Satan's going to send everything towards our way to discourage our trust in him. So we need to pray. Now, the next thing that we need to do is put God first. Not ourselves, not our country, and not our churches, but God first. My favorite verse is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We need to put God's kingdom first. Now, when we humble ourselves, we pray, and we put God first, then we go on to the next thing, what's said in verse 14. You notice that after he tells them to pray and seeks my face, he tells them to turn from their wicked ways. Well, turning from our wicked ways is repenting. So we need to repent of our sins. We need to repent of our sins of turning back towards God and being consumed by this world. And we need to turn away from our wicked ways and run to God and beg Him for His mercy. Then He will forgive our sins and He will heal our land. Amen. Well, I hope that you got something out of this. I know that I did. This verse allowed me to examine myself to see where I am at. I asked myself, am I humble or am I arrogant? Have I prayed enough? And have I turned away from sins that I know that I have done and thank God by his grace and mercy 
that he is like the father of the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son that he lived a life of secularism and he came to his senses and that he was willing to return to the father even if it meant being a lowly servant. And the prodigal son went home. And I love the story because it says the father was outside waiting for him. And being a father, I could imagine him praying and just waiting and hoping for his son to come home. And then from the distance, he sees his son coming home. And this father runs out. He runs out and he hugs his son. He hugs him. And not only did he welcome back as a lowly servant, and not only did he welcome back just as a son that he returned, but he restored him even higher. He gave him even more. He blessed him even more. So when we seek God, we humble ourselves and we pray. We truly repent. He is like that father where he receives us with open arms. He no longer holds our sins against us. And he restores us even greater. And I believe that as the church would humble themselves and they would repent, that not only will God just restore them as a lowly church or how they were before, but he will restore them even higher. And that's who God is. God is a God of love. He's a God of mercy and grace. And only by his grace can we be saved. And he's not going to force himself onto us. He's not going to make us something that we don't want to do. Which is why we have to willingly submit ourselves to Christ. We have to be committed to Christ. We have to abide in Him. Abide in Him means obeying Him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bear fruit. And bearing fruit cannot be done by a lukewarm church. A lukewarm church is just a withered wood with no fruit in fact it could be compared to as the thorns and thistles so let us not be lukewarm let us humble ourselves pray we should put god first repent and he will forgive our sins and will heal our land amen